Welcome to the Invincible Innovation Show, the podcast for changemakers. Each week, I talk to the most fascinating entrepreneurs and innovation leaders about innovation, strategy, and design. Yeah, I'm so happy. We started our live with Dr. Andrew Moyer-Woods, founder and design strategist Moyer-Woods, <laughs> <laughs> products for uh, research. Did I say, okay, Muir? M- yeah? Muirwood. Muirwood. Okay, Muirwood. next time maybe I'll do it better. <laughs> I want to tell you that I'm very, very happy that you joined. And uh, we're here in the Invincible Innovation Show. And it's the first time I'm bringing someone that I really like, happy to talk to other than just professional thing. Because I know Andrew from the Google uh, Experts uh, program. And I met him, I think, like three or four years ago. And other than being very sharp and smart, he is the funniest uh, man you could meet. And it's so, like, it's, it's a pleasure just talking to you. So thank you for joining me. So are you saying that all of the other people you interviewed weren't a pleasure to speak to? They were, but they were more like professional thing. Don't, oh, okay. ca- don't yeah. catch me here, you know. Okay, Nobody so, you, so you're saying that I'm not professional? You are both. You are professional and funny. That's what I'm saying. So let's start. So could you tell me just how did you come to be like design strategies? How do you focus on on product research and user research? How did you decide to be on that path? Um, Well, actually, I was thinking about this. Um, When I was a kid, I really wanted to be a detective. And um, I had this like very specific image of it's like a kind of film noir detective kind of wearing wearing a trench coat um i had i borrowed i borrowed my dad's trench coat um and like mm-hmm. wearing it like a humphrey bogart kind of hat oh. um, and like i just love the idea of sort of following people around and like solving puzzles and things um and then yeah and then i've just put those silly childish dreams away and then and, and i went and studied engineering um mm-hmm. and and then slowly but surely found my way back to a world where I'm kind of solving puzzles and following people around. Um, right. And so, um, yeah, it's kind of a, like a happy accident. I, you know, I, I did engineering, I studied design, I did a PhD, uh, and then I, the, the PhD involved a lot of qualitative research. Yeah. And, and I just realized that actually the, the piece of the area of kind of design and engineering that I liked the most was about uh, answering questions. Um, right. And, um, and designing ways to answer questions through, through yeah. research. So we're, we're talking, you know, in the middle of the COVID-19 crisis. So we have so many open questions. Nobody has an answer or a plan. So could you tell me, what do you think could we use research for in order to make our lives better and companies could su- be more successful with, with this research? Um, yeah, I, th- I think that... The challenge here is that it, there's there's going to be so many kind of unpredictable uh, kind of outcomes and side effects of of um, you know of this this firstly the the pandemic, but then also the kind of knock on effects of the um, you know a recession that follows, and and just a changing mindset around risk and around health things like that. So this there's going to be all kinds of changes of behavior that are going to be relatively hard to predict without speaking to without actually speaking to, to customers and so yeah. 
That's, it's like a new situation. So without asking, you will never know, right? Yeah, everything's changed. And you can wait to see what they do. Um, and, and then you can be like, oh, our sales have gone down. Um, <laughs> and, then be, and, then, yeah. and then respond. Or you can go, get ahead of the curve and, and um, speak to them and try to understand how they have changed. You know, things have changed overnight. Yeah. Like, you know, right. the idea of everyone, you know, three months ago, everyone was like, use less plastic. Um, yeah. And now there's masks, there's, you know, plastic covering for food. All, all of the environmental things have gone out the window, hopefully temporarily. No, no, no. I, I, I see it vice versa. You know, the fact that we are not uh, polluting with airplanes and cars and people are like less in the nature. So so the animals are celebrating right now. So right. I like there are benefits here too, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Mm -hmm. But all of these unexpected um, kind of changes that some of which will be temporary, some of which will be um, hopefully the, the, um, the, the kind of nature side of things will be more permanent. Um, but you just don't, you don't, especially when it's like a second order effect, you just don't know what's, what it's going to be. And so yeah. speaking to people, having conversations and just listening and, and, and not necessarily knowing what the answer is going to be um, is, is going to really help you yeah. to get ahead of that. Yeah, let's let's say I'm a company and I come to you and I tell you that our sales are down. We think people are less content with our products. And what would you do to help us other than just talking to people? How do you gather the information? What are you asking? Like, tell us about your work more. Yeah, I, I mean, for I guess the first thing would be to to look exactly at the um, the indicators. That you've that you so you mentioned. So if there's if there is a specific change that you're interested in, that you know perhaps sales have gone down, or maybe the, the use the active users on your product have gone down, um, then then it's I would probably start by um, having a think you know having a think as a team um, and you know speaking to the, the people on your in your company who already have exposure to customers to try and get some ideas of what hypotheses might there might be about the reasons behind these these things and then as quickly as possible i would then just try and get on the phone or um, get in front of um of customers that have displayed this behavior uh and also customers who've not so so trying to understand you know the ones who have um you know continued buying uh, as well as the ones who's who've um who'd stop buying and right. really unpicking the motivations and, and um, drivers. And you just never know what you know, those drivers yeah. might be. Um, sure. Sometimes and, and, it might be. And like only while talking to them, you could really understand the essence of, of what they're trying to do or, or what the change is about, right? Yeah, so absolutely. You talked about uh, in your research that you had lots of uh, uh, qualitative uh, measurements and many people are very obsessed with data and, and quantitative uh, data how do you see the difference and and why why do you think that people are not like aware of the power of not only data which is raw one yeah i mean yeah so this this is a this is an age-old debate um i think right. that they 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 complement each other really well uh, the, the data mm -hmm obviously allows you to have a much kind of larger scale um, understanding of behavior, but it's often lagging. So it's often, um, you know, you only happens afterwards. Yeah. Um, you see your sales have gone down, um, for example. Uh, it also doesn't, it's often quite um, opaque. 
so you can see the sales have gone down, but you don't know why. Um, and and so the qualitative data helps you to understand why, helps you to come up with some of the context mm -hmm. behind um, you know those changes. And it could be multiple reasons, and uh, and it gives you some clues as to how to how to to make changes, how to solve it. Sure. Otherwise, you're just you're kind of shooting in the dark. You could be like, okay, right. well, I have an idea. Maybe we can change this to um, you know we can make it cheaper um and that will yeah. that will but how do you know if it, if if you haven't talked yeah. to people and set and worked yeah. out that price was the driver maybe, then... yeah, maybe we'll do more marketing change our ads or, <laughs> or something like that or the support is not good enough or something like that but it's even more important when you have a new idea or a new product and then you don't have any data and you just imagine yourself doing mm. something and this is even like i think will be more frequently used because people are changing and the market is changing, so we need to create something uh, different, a different solution, a different products, right? So, um, and and how is the process different in that case? Uh, that that the company needs to go to a new market, to a new uh, type of clients, and so forth. Yeah. So that um, discovery is um, is what you're looking for there. Um, yeah. Uh, that's. I mean, so in those situations, you're 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 trying to understand existing behavior um, and existing problems and so that you can try and predict uh, how your your kind of technology might fit into that that world and so if you, if you speak to people and they say you know we have this problem um, and we are currently solving it in this way but it's not a very good way it's very expensive it's very slow it's not it's very stressful um, then you know that that's a really good clue and a, a very cheap clue to gather that um, that you know you're on the right track and so then right. if you then go back to those same people with your with the prototype of your solution um you know you you sh it sh there should be a lowered risk of that solution being rejected by those people because they've already they've already revealed that they have this problem they've already revealed that they're looking for a solution but but they haven't found anything and then you know there's then they can give you that that group of people could then give you uh, more relevant feedback on whatever ideas you have. Yeah, and we have someone live, like uh, people live in here, and we want to say hi to Chiwon Kim. So thank you for being with us, and and you're welcome to ask questions. So I'll try to do <laughs> like multitasking, view what people are asking, and then maybe ask you some of the stuff that they are asking. So could you give us like an example for a use case that you have an insight that you found during these research from one of your uh, clients or projects? Um, well, uh, so, I mean, so, so actually something that's quite, quite a good case study recently is, um, this project I worked on at the beginning of the pandemic, which is the meals for the NHS. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a great initiative. I was very, very proud of you. And I, I really watch you on your LinkedIn, just seeing what's going on. So I'd be happy if you tell us more about that. Yeah, I think it's a good one. It's it's a nice case study of a lot of good practices in innovation. Um, and so, and just just as a quick background, what we did was we realized in the UK that um, doctors and nurses were not eating properly in the evenings because there's no food at the hospitals. The, the oh. canteen canteens have shut. Uh, they usually shut at five pm. Wow. And um, and also at the beginning of the crisis, a lot of the shops were empty or there were really big queues. So it was very hard for people to cater for themselves. Um, and as a result, they were eating from vending machines and, and just not, or not eating properly at all. Um, and so we 
decided that we would try and send meals into hospitals um, from local food providers and that we would try and get the public to um, to fund it. Um, wow. So we did it and we started we, we, we started with the problem. Um, so we started by interviewing doctors and nurses and, and understanding this issue of the, then there being no food available um, and mm -hmm. um, understanding that how that also a lot more people doing night shift because of the, the yeah crisis. yeah and uh, and then and so we we really deeply understood the problem and then we did we did we started experimenting with a solution so we you know we said well what if we send meals into you as as if you just done ordered meals yourself as, as you've ordered yeah. 50, 50 lasagnas to your team um but yeah. but the difference is it just happens to be free um yeah. and and they I mean, <laughs> fairly obviously were like yes please um, yeah, of course. So we started sending food in. We actually paid for the, the first few food deliveries ourselves just to mm. understand the delivery process, to understand the logistics, the safety, et cetera, et cetera. And then we used, we were able to use that to then answer the next question, which was, will the public um, pay for this? Will they donate money to, to fund yeah. it? Which was the second most risky question. Um, yeah. Um, will they pay for it? Yeah. Will yeah. they pay for it? And if they didn't, then that would be fine. We've sent 150 meals into hospital, and that's and like that we gave some some doctors and nurses a break. Um, yeah. And but the public won't pay for it. Yeah. But it turns out yeah. that they would they would pay for it a lot, and they um, wow. they ended up giving donating 1.8 million pounds wow. to the. Um, but it was it was very much it was it was kind of a perfect a perfect situation in that the, the British public really wanted to help, um, yeah. but but felt helpless yeah um, and and providing food and and they, there's an old saying food is the best medicine so, so sure. providing food to the staff so that they could save lives was just mm -hmm. such an approachable way and a kind yeah. of tangible way for for the public um that that they really really resonated and, and that's why we got a lot of backing um it was yeah, all for, it, it was it, all it's it, it, when you're saying about like providing food it's like it's not only food it's like we see you we know you're you're like trying so hard you're working so hard and we want to just chip in whatever we can and for the doctors it's like we're caring about you as much as you care about us as, as a population as humans so it's like and, and when you're closed at home I guess you cannot do much you cannot just go to the you know to the ER and start recitating people yeah. so what you can do is just feel better while doing something good so now yeah. you're not only like fun now you're even a good-hearted person <laughs> yeah yeah just temporarily <laughs> just for two months yeah 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 <laughs> now when it's gone you know yeah. right no way <laughs> yeah and and is it still working so it's like it was um only when it, the lockdown is on or yeah so it actually just it just finished i think we sent our last meals um two weeks ago um, so it was, it, it really was, you know, a response to the crisis and there was a lot of factors. So the, the more staff being on night shift, um, the, and the food not being available in supermarkets, um, and then obviously the food not being available in hospitals, that sort of triple combo made it hard, but now there's a reduced number of people on night shifts and the, the supermarkets are kind of back to normal. Um, and so there's just, it's just not such a big problem anymore. And so we have... Yeah. We, we were able we were constantly measuring that we were constantly uh, asking staff you know about you know the, their needs um and then and re and thinking about 
you know, how much money we had left or whether we wanted to do more fundraising. And we reached this point where we felt actually, you know, there, there is still a need there. There's a, there's mm. a, 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 there's a catering problem in the NHS, which is sure. something separate. Um, but the, the crisis, um, you know, and, and what our donors had donated for was kind of had, had reached an, a logical end point. And so we were yeah. able to say, that's it. And we'll, we'll kind of close things off. Um, and we had to, you know, we had a, 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 a duty um, towards the, the people making the food because the other side benefit was the fact that we were supporting Help the restaurants. It. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we had to let them down and make sure that um, they knew that this was going to end as well because they were some of about almost half of the restaurants um, that we worked with were they, they attributed us um, to, to increasing their chances of survival wow. of, their, of their businesses. Wow. Um, uh, and so that we were learning a lot from them and we were learning a lot about food delivery, food logistics, food safety um, throughout the process. So it was just a big old, yeah. big old learnathon. Yeah. You know, like I, I took part in lots of hackathons during like these months and, you know, people trying to do anything they could do in order to make something like the, the situation better. And you see that people are joining forces and creating something better just because they want and they want to utilize their talents to do something good. So like, I hope we'll have more of that. We don't need like a full fledged uh, pandemic for, for that. Right. So. Yeah. So, yeah. And tell me, how did your professional uh, capabilities help you do your work better in, in this crisis? Like with this NHS project and with others, like uh, your, your clients asking you to help them reinvent maybe some of the stuff they're doing? Yeah. Um, well, so, I mean, certainly I'm currently working with a, a university um, that is thinking about what September is going to be like um yeah and uh particularly more actually around the non-academic side um which is which is really scary because the, this university is such a you know an important experience for, right. um, for young people and if you make it all online or or, or partially online um then it's going to be different it's not going to be exactly what they kind of dreamt of and so sure um so getting that right or, or at least make getting it as good as it can be, um, is going to be important. So, um, so that certainly is, you know, that, that's a project where we're speaking to as many students as possible, and we're trying to, uh, you know, understand what what is important, you know, about being an undergraduate or postgrad, um, yeah. and then thinking about how elements of that might be translated into digital experiences, um, and and also just thinking about what you know, the kinds of situations that, because we don't even know what the rules are going to be in, in September. Um, nobody knows. Nobody knows. Yeah. So, but all we do know is that the digital side of things is going to have to be good. Let's yeah. Be ready. Yeah, that's for sure. You know, like when we talk about, we know that the needs are still there. So people are going to university to, to educate themselves, but not only that, they want to meet people. They want to meet people mm. that could be like their friends and, and, and be a companion while they're studying really hard. And maybe they could help them with their career afterwards. And it's like, it's like an ecosystem, the, the university. It's not only just going and listening to, to lectures. And yeah. the same could be with, with uh, you know, we're talking about education, but what about entertainment? And, and what about uh, sports uh, events and so forth? So 
as I see it, when we're thinking about this change and people are just thinking about people losing money because we are not going to any concerts, for example, but mm. there are like tri- trillions of dollars of needs out there and you just need to meet them, right? Because people still want to, to listen to music together, yeah? Yeah. Or, or to go to, to a comedy show, right? So, so they want to laugh together. How can they laugh together? Yeah, so absolutely. It's, it's the same needs, and we need to understand how can we create something new, and, and it's different than what we have. Like, for example, I think that we are like in the middle with education because we didn't really understand what is like, what should we do online? What should we keep like face-to-face? How can we do that? And what could be a better this way or that way? And, and like, it's, it's a really big question, right? Yeah. And, and what, what did they say, the students? Um, well, I mean, so it's interesting. Some of the students we spoke to have um, been, uh, you know, they have already experienced the teaching at the end of their first year. So, so all of yeah. the teaching, all the teaching went online um, at the end of at the end of last year, last academic year. And so that mm-hmm. there's that side of things, mixed experiences there. Um, and 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 you know, I think that. But I think what what we were trying to learn is you know, how, about all of these other aspects of, of university and, you know, the, the socializing being yeah. and, and the connections that you make being such an important part of, of that experience. Sure. And actually that's what, that's, if that's not there, if you're not getting those connections, then you may as well just be doing a, um, an online course. Um, yeah. And it's probably cheaper and it's probably better designed than the university can do it. Yeah. Because, um, because they, you, you know, if, if like a pure online course has been thinking about how to do teaching online, you know, from the start, rather than just yeah. trying to switch over to online halfway through, uh, and it's probably cheaper, um, yeah. and and so and you just aren't going to make friends through it. <laughs> yeah, and you know there are like the dorms, people sleeping together and like in the same room and having friends and going out and and having their social life other than just going to school and come back, right? So mm, yeah. Yeah. So I guess that you know we're we're all talking about people close inside and being lonely and most people think about maybe old people being lonely. But as I see it, um, many of them are really maybe more used to being lonely than people who are young that mm. have more energy and they're really used to being social and, and not being alone. Um, yeah. So I, I, I think that what you're talking about is like, this is a huge, like, I would say market. You could think about what could they do better um, when they need to be less like in contact in, in face-to-face thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that if you can get people to um, make f- friendships and somehow, um, it's going to be very mm-hmm. hard. But if you can get, if you can create friendships, then you reduce the burden on, um, well, you know, the healthcare and the mental health and ac- treating of, of anxiety because sure. it's, it's, it's having a, 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 net- a support network is the, is you know, an important part of, of prevention of mental health challenges. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so it's, and it's important to invest in it. Sure. I think that in general, you see people are very into the physical health because, you know, there is a pandemic, 
but the implications of that for for your mental health i think more are more than too mental in a sense because you're very anxious and and for a long time and and what could be done when when the unknown is here like that's mm-hmm. it nobody knows um and and when you're alone and afraid and anxious it's like a mixture which is like really hard for people right so it's like yeah. th- there's so many opportunities to do things better right as i yeah. see it so could you give us a few like professional tips if a company wants to know more about their um future products or how can they make their work uh, in their product better um i think that uh You know I think the, the first the biggest tip is just to try to shorten your learning cycles so to try to learn as, um, as quickly as possible um, this means you know speaking to customers earlier um, testing out ideas um, more quickly even if and and being but also being kind of happy to that they're but that they're not always the perfect ideas and and that you're you're gathering these kind of rapid feedback loops. Uh, because the the faster that you can learn, the more you're be able to respond to these the changes. and we and we right. and this you know that people are probably changing, you know they say that people are changing more in the last three months than they have in the last ten years. Um, yeah, you, know, you could say that. We'll see how many of those changes stay, but there's but there's going to be there's you know there'll be a knock on whenever when a lot of people lose lose their jobs in a few months time that's going to be a huge change that, that a lot of people aren't ready for and that will create sure. new challenges but also new opportunities um you know in recessions mm-hmm. more entrepreneurship often increases because people lose their jobs and start yeah. businesses and so creating yeah. through creating tools for that help people to start businesses and help them yeah. to be successful um you know that that's an, an area that that will probably um increase sure um, we work then the, the we necessity work is, is we work money. we work is making money now because of you <laughs> know um companies companies now wanting to find a sort of localized way of of um housing sure. their stuff and so you know even we work is making money and now even <laughs> even we work and this is not like i'm not that worried about we work i'm, I'm yeah. worried about yeah. other stuff but they are it's not good. like and and maya tells it's it's really interesting what you're saying although it's in hebrew i'll tell you that this is what you wrote so thank you and and you know like when we were talking about this change we we're talking about changing behavior in people and i think that if if something is really intriguing and um, spontaneous and hard to predict is human behavior Because there are so many aspects of it, and we cannot really imagine what it will be. We can imagine the numbers of I know the pandemic maybe, or the numbers of the financial impact. But to really understand behavior, we cannot do it without real like talking to people. right? So your work is is so important right now, right? So do you feel that this work highlighted your Uh, role within a product differently right now um i mean i i've always thought my role is important <laughs> <laughs> for you it's like so, obvious it is yeah um but i you know i think that well, i've de- definitely i've i've not seen a decrease in demand for um my services um and and actually well there was like there was a period there's two months when it was just like mm-hmm. everything Sort of dropped, but now 
but now it's just like it's, there's a lot of demand because a, a lot of people are like okay we need to we need to learn from our customers we've got we've got to yeah. like we've got to get them we, we want to do it quickly we want to do it rigorously um and you know so actually it'd be quite useful to get someone experienced in to, to guide us through that um yeah and so yeah, so I think I do, and I, I in general, I think that in in the tech industry, the maturity around the need to speak to customers is increasing, um, and and so that's that's good for me, good for my business. Yeah, um, of course, and it's good and for. I think it's good. It's not only good for. It's good that it's good for you. But yeah. I, <laughs> but yeah, I think yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah sure, of course. Sure. <laughs> yeah, you know, all this crisis. You know, who is it for? Now you understand. <laughs> yeah, it's for your business. But other than that, I think it's good for the companies to understand that because if not, it's all gut feeling. If you don't really talk to your users, it's all like we think it should work this way. And the fact that um, organizations are working more like agile, fast, lean startup, things that are done fast, it's it's good for them and for their business. And this is why they're doing that, you know. It's yeah. like the the way of doing things faster like experimenting learning and then doing something something on the way it's like it's needed yeah, yeah. i think when when you uncover the the thing that for that for customers is like the the sort of main the problem and you've got a lot of evidence around that problem um let's say it's 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 kind of easier to explain in a kind of in a business setting but let's say you have a a, a client or customer who has a task and it takes them two hours, and um, you know it's maybe some kind of data analysis or some kind of you know accounting or something. And you take that mm -hmm. task and you and and you and you say to the company, "We know that this task takes us this long. We've spoken to twenty of these people, and it, it on average it takes two hours." Um, and we ch our challenge as a company is to get that down to one minute or like zero minutes or whatever. Yeah. Then then. It's such an amazing to be able to like have a customer centric goal like that, and to be to be confident that if you get that that right, then the the money will come. You know, you don't need a revenue goal if you if you solve that thing. Obviously, yeah. you also need evidence that that customer has like budget available to solve. To, yeah, like, and he's not alone, so there are more customers like him. Right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need that evidence too. <laughs> you do. Um, but once you've got you you got that that picture um, and everyone's working towards that then and you know you relentlessly try to bring down the time it takes to do that task and and that involves everyone then uh then it's you know it's it's a it's a, it's a good feeling when you when you get it right yeah of course and it goes back to you being like Sherlock Holmes finding the what is like where is the gun and who did it and then you can just charge <laughs> that's it exactly exactly <laughs> So are you going back to why you did it as, as a as a child wanting to be? I think that Sherlock Holmes is very British, right? It's it's a, a yeah. British kids thing, a dream, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so yeah. so you're do, you're doing your your dream job in a sense. It turns out that yeah, I am. Um, so it's, I feel pretty lucky. Great. It doesn't so, feel like work. Oh, that, that's the good thing. So if it's not work, so it means that you're enjoying. So in, in general, when I work with people, I always like to work with people that they are talented, but they love what they're doing. If you have both of these, you know it's going to be successful. If you're lacking one of these, less, <laughs> less successful. So yeah, that's well, great. I, I definitely love what I'm doing. So I've got at least yeah. one. 
So this brings me to if somebody wants to get in touch with you, what would they do? Um, they can uh, contact me on my website. Um, which is? And, which is muralwood.co.uk. Um, you know, and, you say your name better than me. <laughs> <laughs> Surprising. I've had, I've had some practice. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I can. And I, you know, I do various types of, um, you know, projects uh, which range from kind of coaching and kind of capability building all the way through to full service uh, research mm. projects. So it just depends on how hands-on um, clients need. Um, but I also yeah. do, I do the mentoring um, with you um, at, with yeah. Google, but also with other initiatives yeah. as well. So I, it's always good to yeah. work with startups and um, young entrepreneurs um, through these yeah. channels as well. And I hope we'll meet, you know, face-to-face -face real, not like an online mentorship, which is like, it's good for the startups, but, you know, it's less fun. Yeah. And we don't have any coffee breaks to laugh exactly. with together. So it's like, there is a need. Now you see there is a need. You can you can go back to Google and tell them, I'm talk to, I've talked to all your mentors. And uh, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I talked to one mentor and, and I, I believe yeah. that this is the, the use the, case you should invest yeah. in. Like yeah. it's a very important mentor after all. That's me. Yeah. So yeah. they'll surely yeah. do that. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Great. So first I'll, I'll add the links to this video here. So I hope that uh, everybody will be, I'm sure that everyone will be interested in that. And I want to thank you for your time. It's been like lots of fun for me and very interesting. And I hope we'll have more chances uh, first to talk and to do good because like doing something good without any benefits is like the best thing you could do ever. Just using your talents and expertise to make something better with this very hard situation is like, you cannot do something better than that. Yeah, feels pretty good. So thank you, Andrew. Uh, now I'll try Muir. Would no? You did a wonderful job. You did a really good job. <laughs> no, thank you, Andrew. And th and thanks everybody who joined us. And uh, next time in Invincible Innovation, we have another very interesting and nice uh, person and funny. I hope. So thank you, Andrew. Bye bye. Bye bye. Yay. I'm Adima Zaukario, and you've been listening to the Invincible Innovation Podcast. Make sure to visit our website, invincibleinnovation.com, where you can learn more about our programs and my book, Innovating Through Chaos. I'll be waiting for you next week in our next episode. Thank you for listening.